Welcome to Tactically Acquired. Our goal is to document military-connected living history in a fun and easy environment. We will capture the stories of our active duty, guard, reservists, veterans, ROTC, and their families, sharing their stories, adventures, and journeys across the military life cycle. The podcast is for anyone interested in joining the military, has been part of the military, or wishes to learn more about military life. In addition, we want to bridge the growing military-civilian divide through education. This is unfiltered, meaning we'll go over the good, the bad, and yes, maybe even the ugly of being a military-connected individual. I'm your host, Rusty Martis, a retired Air Force Mustang and OEF veteran, and I run the Veterans Resource Station at North Kentucky University. My special guest today is an NKU student and veteran, but we'll get in that a little bit. But first, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking some time out to give us your living history. How's it going? Uh, I'm Justin Barrera. Um, I'm an Army veteran. Why did you choose the Army? Uh, I had a cousin who was in the Army. He's a little bit older than me. Um, yeah, he kind of just, in, I guess, inspired me and another cousin of mine who's my age uh, to join the Army and, and start out there. I never even like talked to any other recruiters. So. <laughs> no recruiters. It was just Army. It was straight it was Army, yeah. Navy, or Army, Navy, uh, cousins doing their job. It's funny because I had uh, I, my cousins kind of talk to me and the joining the service as well. I had one that was in the Navy and one with the Air Force. And I talked to both of them. And uh, Air Force went out because he had better stories. Yeah? Yeah. I should have talked to the Air Force, I'll tell you what. <laughs> how, how long were you in the service? Uh, my initial contact contract was uh, three years, 17 weeks. And then after I got off, that was for active duty. And after I got off of active duty, I did a, a year in the reserves as an engineer. And uh, now I'm in the IRR, which is like the individual ready reserve, just kind of inactive reserve. Yeah, but you kind of got a good story. I know we're getting off subject, but you kind of got a good story about IRR when uh, Ukraine and Russia happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when, uh, when like Ukraine or when Russia invaded Ukraine, like, I don't know, probably like a month later, I got a letter from the IRR saying, like, I'm activated. Like, the first thing was, like, you're hereby activated. And I, you know, I was like, whoa. But it turned out I just had to go to muster. But it was like all the timing was like came together perfectly. And it was a little bit scary for like a second there. Yeah. I was like, what? I'm going back. It was an interesting story, though, because like the way the letter stated. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. like, you're activated kind yeah. of thing. Um, so you had mentioned that you were you were an engineer, correct? Did you do that in active duty as well? No, I, w I was a tanker on active duty. I, yeah. So for the reserves, uh, I, was in a, I was an engineer, but it was kind of like a try one try one year program so it was like for people getting off active duty to kind of keep some of the benefits like health insurance and stuff like that you could try a year and see if you liked it and if you wanted to continue you could uh, start to do you could go to AIT and and train for that job but yeah I was a tanker on active duty and uh, M1 Abrams armor crewman awesome so what's that mean uh means I crew the M1 Abrams main battle tank for the United States Army uh so drive load and then eventually down the line, um, gun and TC and stuff like that. So. Um, driving a tank through all over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Out in California, I'm guessing? Uh, so I was stationed in Colorado at Fort Carson. There I was uh, in, in 166 Armor, 3rd uh, Brigade, and the 4th Infantry Division there at Fort Carson. And, uh, yeah, we did. We went to NTC uh, in, in California uh, right before we deployed. But uh, mainly, mostly, most of the driving was done in, like, Colorado or also... Um, we deployed to Kuwait in support of Operation Spartan Shield. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like a subsidiary or something of OEF. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so kind of drove the tank 
in Georgia too was at Fort Benning was where I did my training. So that's awesome. That's yeah. pretty cool. Where else were you stationed at? So, so um, like I said, I just did my training at Fort Benning, um, and then I stationed in Colorado Springs for Fort Carson for my whole active duty contract, and then uh, we went to Camp Buren, Kuwait was where we were at um, for deployment or rotation. I know people get people get a uh, a little antsy when you talk about it, going to Kuwait as a deployment, but um, and well, then you, know, you had a pool and everything, right? Uh, no, <laughs> Camp Gring, I lived in a tent, uh, but that was Air. I think that was Air John Camp Air John. They had a pool, so I think that was where the Air Force were at. So right, like I exactly. said, I should have been the Air Force. <laughs> I had a buddy. We both left at the same time. Uh, both had year-long deployments. I was in Afghanistan, and he went to Kuwait, and yeah, the pictures at the pool and everything. Yeah, so. Camp Air John. Yeah, we. I think we took some like quote-unquote, like, R&R days to, like, air John a couple times. Yeah. So that was fun. <laughs> I didn't know about that tri-year with reserves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Where was your reserve based out of? Yeah, I was, so I uh, when I got out of active duty, I was in Colorado, but I'm originally from Texas. So we moved back to Texas, and my uh, reserves unit was out of Camp Bullis there in San Antonio. Oh, cool. So you could so. do that right out of active duty, and you could sign up in any, wherever you were planning on being yeah. in. Yeah, so they'll just find you a unit wherever you're planning on going, and hook you up if the job's available that you want so that's that's pretty neat um now you had you had mentioned your cousin kind of talked you into kind of joining <laughs> but what was kind of your motivation to join in the first place well i you know that's like a it's a pretty difficult question i guess uh patriotism definitely had something to do with it uh you know as a young 18 year old kid um but yeah also you know my cousin did it he seemed to be doing well being successful in the military and then later on in college and stuff like that. And then I knew that I was eventually probably going to need some some form of higher education. So I didn't want to take out student loans, and I didn't want my parents to pay for it. So um, the Army kind of made sense as far as getting my higher education paid for. And here I am today doing that. So. Using your benefits, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Using your earned benefits. If you could go back and kind of give you some piece of advice before you head to basic, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Before I head to basic, um, <clears throat> I think my dad actually gave me some really good advice. He wrote it down in the in they get my parents gave me a Bible when I left for basic training, and he said uh, he said a few things in it. But at the very end of the letter or the little note he wrote me, he said, "Don't fold," and so that kind of stuck with me through basic training. So I would tell myself again, "Don't fold. Like, don't give in. You're gonna make it. It's fine. Like, everybody goes through it." Um, you're going to be good. But also now, I would say after I got out of basic training uh, and like kind of got to my unit and got more in the regular flow of Army life, would be kind of just um, buy more into it. I, w- I was, uh, you know, around those like terminal specialists, the guys who are can't wait to get out, like, oh, you know, I don't like it here. I can't wait to get out. And I won't lie, I kind of bought into that sometimes. Um and sometimes I kind of regret that. I think I think life could have been a lot better if you kind of just accept, like, where you're at and just kind of drink the Kool-Aid a little bit. <laughs> drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. yeah. That, that's cool you had that positive mantra, though, that kind of just reinforced what you're going through and everything to, to make it through. I think that's a good advice for anybody that's getting ready to head to basic training yeah. or um, if there are a parent out there that's going to send a child off to basic training, yeah. parent, how much that kind of meant. So that's really cool. All right. Um, so just curious... Besides 
break in military uh, uh, <laughs> uh, protocols, probably not the right word, but breaking any other rules out there? Uh, like the worst one I've ever done. Uh, it was pretty bad. So we were, we were deploying. It was the day we were deploying. And um, it's like, so like we were deploy, you deploy like carrying your weapons, like your rifles. And I was a private, like I was with a bunch of privates. We didn't know any better, but it was bad. Like it turned out to be like really bad was uh, we picked up our weapons at the arms room and we we're supposed to go down to like the battalion headquarters. And we were supposed to walk, but there was no NCOs there with us. So we were like, or like, I think we we're supposed to walk, but we were like, why don't we just drive? So, so they got somebody from the barracks to come get us. And so we drove there in a, in a POV. You're not supposed to put weapons in a POV and we were privates. We didn't know that. So we did that and like all of us just get there, get out of the car or whatever. And some like starting first class just starts losing his mind on us. <laughs> like, oh, like, you know, like you could end your career and all this. And luckily he took it easy on us. Like we, he didn't know. I mean, we got, I'm pretty sure we got smoked for that. If I remember right. But, um, you know. You live and learn. <laughs> right. That was that was to pick up your weapons for your deployment? So yeah. That was okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have ammunition or anything with right. us. It was just the weapon, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a rough day. Well, um, I'm sure you've heard of Tactically Acquired, but for those that don't know what Tactically Acquired is, it's basically where you take, or I guess we could say it's uh, where you sneakily acquire um, needed equipment or something along those lines, uh, some type of item that you need or anything. Have you ever had to tactically acquire an item? Yeah, uh, I mean, as a tanker, you kind of need a lot of things that aren't necessarily always there. But the funniest thing, or I mean, like the coolest thing I ever tactically acquired was uh, when we were on deployment, we found a bunch of Connexes in our uh, motor pool where we parked all our, all our vehicles. And Connexes are like those big metal shipping containers and we found they were just left there. They were not. They were unlocked. Uh, apparently, they had been left from units before us. But there was one Connex that was just filled to the brim with boxes and boxes of brand new M4 magazines, like still in the plastic. Wow. And uh, <laughs> my company, we needed like M4 mags. So my turned. I mean, it just turned out that my uh, my gunner at the time was also the arms room NCO. So, you know, he was in charge of the arms room, getting us mags and everything. So yeah, we took a couple hundred. Uh, I think probably like 800 mags or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, we took them back. I mean, they're still being used by the Army, but they weren't on the books or anything. Right. So it, what are some things you miss about being in the service? Uh, obviously, I mean, I'm sure everybody says this, but it's like the, the camaraderie. Uh, I miss the boys, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I miss that a lot. Uh, of course, there's like the job stability. I'm going to graduate soon, so it's kind of now I'm starting to look for a job. So that can be stressful, too. And being in the military, pretty much you're guaranteed to have that job as long as you don't really, really mess up. Right. But, um, yeah, I missed that. Yeah. How, how do you, have you found, um, I guess, network, for lack of a better term, but to build that camaraderie again? Or you still, how does that work, I guess, from a transitional standpoint? Yeah, I, I guess um, I have found a lot of a lot of camaraderie here at NKU. Um, a lot of that's just talking to people, especially hanging out in the VRS where other veterans are, um, other like-minded people who've had, who've shared like similar experiences and, uh, it's, you know, it's building. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's getting together. Yeah. Uh, a shameless plug for NORS vets. Yeah, there you go. Right here. Join. So student veteran organization right here at NKU, um, set up for military affiliate connected students. So, 
Stop by the Veteran Resource Station and learn more. We'll get you hooked up. Uh, what are some things that you're glad you left behind from the service? Early mornings and long days, Amen. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Shaving every day. That, that's another thing I'm glad I left behind. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, there's always, everybody likes to talk about, like, toxic leadership and stuff like that. And fortunately for me, I really didn't have a whole lot of that. I had good uh, good leadership for the vast majority of my time in. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's just that dumb stuff that everybody has to do because you're told to do it, you know, coming from higher up. So I'm glad I left that behind. There you go. For the time being. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, were there any difficult times that you kind of came across that, you know, you could share kind of maybe how you dealt with them or? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, for me, and I think for a lot of people, uh, it's kind of like loneliness can be a big issue. I mean, even like com- com- there's a lot of camaraderie, but of course you're away from home and a lot of kids are like 18 years old, first time away from home, lonely. Uh, fortunately for me, I mean, I had my wife, I got married. What? Um, I got married when they said not to get married. You know, when everybody says not to get married right after basic training, that's when I got married. Fortunately for me, it worked out. I'm still married to my wife and everything. But, um, yeah, you know, I kind of leaned on her pretty heavily um, during that time, especially being lonely. It's pretty easy to get lonely out there. And I remember uh, I had showed up to my unit. My my wife was still back in Texas, and I'm just getting my unit. I'm like a brand-new private, and it's like Thanksgiving week. So I'm there. <clears throat> the whole base is shut down for Thanksgiving, and I'm just there, like, alone in a barracks room. And uh, I caught the I caught the dining facility, like, right as they were closing, so they just gave me, like, scraps. <laughs> like, so it was, like, that was a pretty sad Thanksgiving. So it can get lonely pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, is there anything you wish that civilians kind of understood more about the military service that they might not understand? Can you ever come across that or see it? It is kind of hard to... Uh, to describe, I think there's a lot of pressures. It's hard to put a word on, word together for it, but there's a lot of pressures of military service members, like experience on the daily basis that I think it's just really hard to tell civilians about or describe in any meaningful way for me. Um, but I think also it would be nice to uh, get, a, get the point across to civilians that veterans aren't damaged goods a lot of the mm-hmm. times i i've kind of seen that you know where oh you're a veteran like you must have ptsd there must be you know what i mean there must be something mentally wrong with you so that just because we're a veteran doesn't mean we have you know we're not damaged goods um still be functional members of society and everything like that and put forth a meaningful effort for the betterment absolutely and uh you know only about 15 percent of all veterans are diagnosed with ptsd which is similar for from civilian cops Mm -hmm. so i know you're going to be a civilian cop as well but um (laughs) it's a lot less number than a lot of people think Mm -hmm. um compared to this era now back in vietnam was upwards of 31 percent, so it was a little bit different but different styles different warfare to create different types of issues and problems and you're right it seems like there's as you talk to people it comes across more than than you'd want to it's the damage good piece so uh, but you mentioned that you were married and you joined, you got married right after you got a basic training or anything. Um, do you got any advice for other married military couples? I would say take it slow. Don't, don't, uh, if you're a private in the barracks, don't get married just for the BAH. Uh, <laughs> make sure you're ready to get married. Make sure they're the right person. Obviously, I'm, I think that's just good, good advice for everybody, not necessarily the military people. 
but there's going to be a lot of a lot more pressures on the marriage being in that military environment uh, a lot of time away so just be ready for that um yeah I, you know i i gotta give most of the credit to my wife there you <laughs> go there you go and uh i just want to jump back real quick because you said something um because i've heard this several times before and i've experienced both on both sides um where toxic leadership the worst toxic leaders we ever had was when i was deployed and it was just absolutely horrible but we also had some great leaders and you mentioned that you had a lot of great leaders what are some of the things that stand out um, from your military time that made them such great leaders? For me, it was, I always had the feeling that they had my back. Um, they were willing to tolerate um, mistakes if I made them in like a way where I was putting forth the effort, but I just made the mistake because I didn't know something or I just failed at a task. Yeah, there was probably going to be consequences. Maybe I'll get smoked or something like that. But at, at the end of the day, I felt like they were there for me to to help me become like a better soldier. Uh, and I, I genuinely felt that um, about most of my, my platoon sergeants, my platoon leaders, stuff like that uh, as I was going through. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. What advice do you kind of have for service members or veterans that are in the process of transitioning out? You did it. Um, what can they do to make sure they're successful? I would say um, utilize all the benefits you can. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of like health, I think there's a lot of health insurance, um, like extensions you can get when you're getting out. A lot of people don't know about that. Even that, that try when you're in the reserves, mm -hmm. that really helped us out. We had our daughter when <laughs> when I was on that reserves insurance, so that really helped us out a lot. Uh, I would say just, yeah, do your research, look into what benefits are available to you and utilize them because they're there for you. All right, with that, anything else that we haven't discussed or any final thoughts, tips, strategies, suggestions, mm -hmm. funny stories, uh, worse food? Uh... <laughs> I got a funny story. Um, so it was while we were deployed, we were in Kuwait, it was uh, at our second gunnery. So gunnery is when you go and qualify on your on your vehicle or on your weapon system and make sure you're proficient in using them. But um, so we were out there with our sister company. So I was in Bravo Company at the time, and we were out there supporting Alpha Company do their gunnery. Um, but it really just turned into us sitting around and baking in like the 120 degree heat all day long for like days on end. Um, so we had set up a little um like camel net you know like shade area between two a couple of our tanks just to get out of the sun as much as we could and really just like play spades and smoke all day you know and um anyway our first sergeant got the the good idea um to take this time and utilize it for some training and so he decided that he was going to train some of his headquarters personnel who were not tankers and didn't know how to use tanks to drive tanks and so he decided to use our platoon's uh, tanks to do this, which already upset my platoon sergeant. And uh, so as he's getting in the, the tank to drive away, tanks are jet turbine, have jet turbine engines in them, so they cook up a lot of exhaust. And so as the tank is driving away, it kicked up a bunch of sand and <clears throat> exhaust and flung it into our little shade area. And I could do... And 
it just dusted us out. And my platoon sergeant was sitting back in like a folding chair trying to take a nap or something like that, you know, just get so hot. And my platoon sergeant was, a, was an African-American man. And uh, Sergeant First Class Moldew, great guy, absolutely like very good leader. But he was uh, Af he's an African-American man, really dark. And as soon as that sand hit him, he was all sweaty. It stuck to him, and he was tan, like he was like golden as that you know as he as it went away. And he had some sunglasses on, and it was just so comical. He took those sunglasses off, and it was just such such a stark contrast. Yeah, and I just saw that that anger well up inside him. <laughs> as you know, he was like, "They're taking our tanks," and he just dusted us out. He had to go like go somewhere else and collect himself, but. That was a really funny. That was a really funny moment for me. Well, I hope you had pictures. Yeah, pictures of seeing that because it's hilarious. Thank you so much for being part of Tactically Acquired. Catch new releases on Fridays. Find them first on the Veterans Resource Station Facebook page, or visit our website veterans.nku.edu and click on the podcast tab to see previous podcasts. As always, thank you to all our military veterans and their families for your service to our country and for all our freedoms. Thanks for being here, Justin. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun.